You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As we often do on a Wednesday, we speak to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. Now, but before we get into the extraordinary volatility, and I know you'll say I'm not a market watcher, Lindsay, I'm a long-term investor, I allocate funds, etc., but you will have been watching what's going on. Today I saw something, and I might actually read it to you now, Joanne, um, mm-hmm. and it got, me, it got me thinking. It takes a lot to get me thinking, let me tell you. It says here, <laughs> Bloomberg, this is from Bloomberg, a fine organisation, and it says here, five things to watch, Tesla, markets rally. Oh, this is it, the markets rally headline. Global equity gauges are bouncing back this morning as strategists from Goldman Sachs Group Inc. to Citigroup Inc. say it's time to buy the dip in stocks. I sat down and I thought, what does that mean? If you're Goldman Sachs, if you're Citigroup, you've got clients, presumably, and those clients exactly. should know first. I mean, you, you obviously your proprietary desk knows that you're, you're buying because they're doing the buying for you. But why do you put it out to the media? Why not just keep it to yourself? It's surely just for clients. If I was a Goldman Sachs client, I would say, why have you put it out to Bloomberg? Why have you put it out to Lindsay Williams? Why have you put it out to the BBC and every other media outlet? Why don't you just keep it to yourself? I'm a client. I pay you massive fees every year. It doesn't make sense to me. Just keep it to yourself. It's like somebody who's discovered the key to investing. They write a book. They think they've discovered the key to investing or technical analysis. And they write a book to tell people, are they that insecure that they have to do this? Please tell me about the financial services industry and why they put out media releases. Give it to your clients. You've got their number. You've got their email. You've got their their social media addresses. Just tell them first. And don't tell us. Keep it quiet. Can I give you the cynical view? And I hope no one... I hope, I hope there isn't a conciliatory view. Just cynical, please. That maybe they're long and they want to sell. Thank you. <laughs> or maybe they long and they need their long position embellished and bolstered uh, by the sucker in the street that gets it second, third or fifth hand. Look, I, I think to be fair to them, equities are not a homogenous class. So to say buy the market, one doesn't know if they're saying go and buy the value equities that have been sold off the last 10 years. And you don't know if they're not saying ignore the Microsofts in the world that have done all the rallying. Both of those are equities, but both have a very different view. I mean, the reality is the markets come off very quickly and a very, you know, sudden movement. If you're a short-term trader, maybe this market's offering some opportunities. But I've spent the last two weeks interviewing 20 managers in South Africa, from fixed income to local equities to offshore equities, you name it, hedge funds, balanced funds. And almost all of them are saying they think 2022 is going to be a lot more different. I mean, a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. They throw in that volatility is going to increase expression. But the reality is there is a huge worry at the moment that maybe the Fed does not have your back. And remember, we've come out of 10 years of the Fed. Every time the markets fell, don't worry, the Fed will cut rates, we'll do more quantitative easing, you're going to be saved. So the likes of Goldman's or Merrill's, whoever wants to come up with these comments that, you know, buy the market now, it's very much a trading dip. I, I think if you look at the way the markets are currently trading, people are incredibly nervous. I don't know if it was it this week or last week when the markets were down 4% and rose to up 1%. It was on Monday, Joanne, Monday. It was, it was on Monday. Mm. And when you look at that kind of trading, that's telling you about a market that's unbelievably skittish. And it's the other thing that I've noticed about the markets lately, 
the last hour of trading seems to be very different to the first few hours of trading. Yes. And that's normally when the big money comes in and they're doing something quite different to what the retail public are doing. So let me tell you something. If you look at the short term, it's impossible to call. Sometimes we get the most vicious rallies in bear markets. We, somebody was telling me this week that there were times in 2000 that tech shares went up 37% in the times of the sell-off then. So you get some very vicious rallies, and maybe that's what Citywire, I mean, not Citywire, City Group are talking about. But it does feel to me at the moment that the winners of the last 10 years are under a lot of pressure going forward, and I think you must be very careful at the moment. Good, I'm glad you said that. I just wanted to make the point that I think the majority of the financial services industry and its personnel are very honest and uh, decent people. And the ones that I have an alliance with, an allegiance with, are, I think are very fine very fine people. I really do. I, I do think they're honest and they want the best for their clients. And they may charge a bit, but that's, uh, that's fine. They do well for them. But I think there are some certain sharp practices and not in not so much in South Africa, but in certain other countries, notably the United States of America, uh, I, I do think that they, it should be looked at. Because if someone says, we think you should buy, I don't know if that is not tantamount to, not insider trading, but market manipulation. I really believe it, Joanne. I, I honestly do. But as no, I get old and cynical, see? and uh, as I get poorer, <laughs> I, I resent but rich but people Lindsay. even more. <laughs> but Lindsay, the reality is, they could be completely right on a one-a-month view. Mm. They're not saying, we think you should buy. I mean, I haven't read it. It's I just mean, a headline, Joanne, nor have I. Yes. <laughs> okay, but presumably they're saying now it's time to buy the market. Remember, a lot of their clients can be short-term traders. So perhaps from a short-term trading perspective, that makes sense. You're missing because the point. The tell the client. Don't tell Bloomberg. Tell the client. <laughs> Send they've already, he or they've she already... a message but they've probably already told their clients, okay? And these guys do move markets. So they've told their clients and they now tell the market that's good for their clients as well. Mm, doesn't sit well with okay. me, I'm sorry. Really no, doesn't. no, but think about this. If they've already bought for their clients and they now tell the markets, we think the market's going to rally further, then their, mar then their clients do well if they're able to move markets. I mean, the reality is today, most people look at those headlines, most people who have been in markets for a long time, ignore them. It's not, you know, it's only the retail's public that think investing is really easy, that probably even take it seriously. Nobody else does. Why do they want people no, no, to know about it? Why do they want to know their stance on stocks? Okay, okay. Why did Goldman because Sachs say that gold, the oil is going to $140 a barrel and maybe five years ago? Why did they say it was going to 140 and then five years later it's below $20 a barrel? Why do they say it's going to 140 Because they okay, want Lindsay. people to believe that it is going there so they'll buy so they can offload their positions. Um, it, that is but just when you hang on, just my speculation. They can they can offload their positions. What are their positions? Their, their positions are their clients' positions as well. So they can also offload their clients' positions. To your point, you said, uh, first of all, I'm telling you that I don't think a lot of people take them seriously as much as they used to. But to your point is why not tell their clients first? They probably have told their clients first. And if the markets rally, they can get out for their clients. So, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors. The reality is on a day-to-day -day basis that there's almost no reason or rhyme why markets go up or down. Okay, there isn't. In the long run, it makes sense. doesn't in the short run. What do we know at the moment in the short run? We know that the Fed is tightening policy. As to how they're going to tighten policy, we don't have the details of that. But the world that has become awash with liquidity is changing in front of our eyes. 
My final comment on on this matter, because we need to get onto other things, my final comment on this matter is that a bank is not a social media platform. It's not a broadcaster. It should keep it to itself, keep it within its clients. It should be discreet about it. And yes, maybe it has told its clients. Maybe it said everybody, by the way, our our, uh, investment strategist team has just come up with with the genius that uh, maybe you should buy the market. And uh, these are the sectors and these are the stocks that we favour. And leave it at that. Don't put it out on Bloomberg. Don't make me annoyed in the afternoon when I read this thing. I don't want to see it. Okay. Keep it to yourself. All right. Okay, fine. I, I think we need to, to move on. I, I, <laughs> I do. agree with you. But, but I do believe that the clients probably saw it first, to your point. Okay. Mm. I very much doubt they, they announced it to Bloomberg and announced it to their clients second. Because apart from anything else, that would be pretty stupid. Client first and last, I say. Joanne, you said you've interviewed 20 fund managers in recent days. Uh, Last week, you told us about their views on uh, SA Inc. so-called stocks. What have you seen Uh since then? What have you heard since then? Okay, so I think the interesting comments I've heard from particularly hedge fund managers in South Africa, from the likes of of Peregrine, uh, Laurium, uh, 361 and Centio Capital, is that 2022 is going to be a lot more volatile. That's obvious. They say that every year. Mm-hmm. But they do think where there's quite a lot of debate at the moment is, is the Fed put over? Now, I won't say who said what, but some people are say, telling me, no, no, the Fed put is over. The Fed is no longer has your back. Inflation means the Fed has to raise rates. So even if the market falls, the Fed will continue to raise rates. That's one view. Then you get a view from other hedge fund managers who say, no, no, no. Fed only cares about the market. If the market continues to fall from here, you can forget about interest rate hikes. You can forget about, forget about quantitative tightening. Oh, yes, and let's not forget about the Russian-Ukraine story. The Fed won't raise rates. So it's quite a bifurcated view in the world market at the moment. The other interesting one that I'm watching is value versus growth. So for the last, say, probably four years of you and I chatting, yes. every year the markets start in January going, oh, value is coming back. It's time for value. <laughs> you know, tech markets are expensive, value is coming back. And that's very much kind of as an overriding view of almost everyone that I've spoken to, apart from one or two who are saying, no, 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 inflation's peaking quite soon. The Fed won't raise nearly as much as you think. By the way, they're not going to raise as much because growth is starting to slow. And I see the World Bank or one of these organizations has come out and downgraded global growth recently. They say, no, no, then you want to be back in tech again because the Fed won't raise as much. Growth shares will come back. The point of all of this is there are lots of views out there. (laughs) They're not all agreeing with each other. But the one view that seems to be more popular than most is that SA equities are going to outperform global equities. That seems to be the overriding view I'm hearing from almost everyone I'm speaking to. Let's talk about the short-term growth versus uh, value. Dow Jones last night down 0.19%. S&P 500 last night down 1.22%. NASDAQ last night down 2.28%. That's a microcosm, excuse me. On Monday, it was 3 4 and 5% at their worst. In other words, Dow down 3 S&P down four, NASDAQ down five. And I've shaved off a few percentage points here and there or, or decimal points here and there. But that, that's what's happening. It, it is a trend. And if you plot a value versus growth chart over the last year, you'll see it's been, it's been a movement. And value, value investors only have their day in the sun, literally for one day in the sun, obviously, metaphorically <laughs> speaking. But uh, they're having fun now. Let them have their fun, Joanne. Look, look, they are. All I'm saying is we've had a lot of false starts. And 
I'm not saying they're not going to be right this time. And I think if the argument is, and I'm starting to actually get very irritated with the value versus growth argument, it's too much of a shorthand. Mm. I think the more important argument is long duration assets versus short duration assets. So if you think the cash flow is going to earn for the next two to three years versus the hope of cash flow in 10 years time, I, I think that's a, a safer place to be at the moment. I mean, even quality can be a value investment if it's the right price. And, and the biggest problem is everyone has a different view of what value means. You know, I think if Apple halved tomorrow, an awful lot of value managers would be buying it. So it, it entirely depends on the price you pay for the assets you're getting. Right now, people are concerned about the small cap tech stocks, the ones with no earnings. And I was amazed to hear this week that I think it's a company called AMC that's in the a movie business in the US, you know, that kind of the part of the meme stocks brigade. It still has a $9 billion market cap. This is a company with virtually no earnings. So we've still got some extreme valuation anomalies happening in markets. A very different story if you're looking at something like Microsoft. You know, here's a company with justifiably fantastic earnings, really good set of results that came out last night. It depends what you're looking at. So I think just buying an index and being and maybe buying some stocks that are very overpriced, I think is a dangerous strategy for 2022. I prefer to be with a manager who can go and buy quality companies at a good price. And I think the value versus growth Let's ignore the whole argument. I want people to buy good companies at decent prices. Okay, so you won't uh, categorise them as growth, or you won't compartmentalise them, that's a good word, compartmentalise them by saying, right, this is my growth pigeonhole and this is my value pigeonhole, and there are the stocks in that pigeonhole that I like. For example, let's say that Microsoft collapsed uh, for some extraordinary reason, like Dimension Data did. Did Dimension Data go from being a growth stock because it was uh, 50, 60, 70, rand a share to a value stock because it was one rand 50 or two rand 50. It's to do with price as well as time. Yeah, it is to do with price, but it's also to do what you're paying for those earnings. So if you're paying for earnings in the future, I think that's a bit worrying at the moment because under mathematical models such as DCF models, if you're using a higher interest rate for future earnings, the value of the share falls. If you're buying a company with really good earnings in the short term, and they arguably might grow at very boring rates, say longer amount, that's probably a safer place to have your capital right now. So one of the big companies that everyone's buying, and I'm sure you've heard this from many of your many of the people you've been speaking to, is like BAT. Everyone's suddenly loving BAT. Mm. Very strong cash flow, very strong dividend yields. You know, so there are times in the market you want to be in more defensive, I don't know if you would call that quality, but more defensive stocks. Do you really want to be in a SPAC at the moment in the US on the hope of some deal they might do in the future that might never come off? You've, took, you've given so two acronyms there and you have to describe them. BAT is British American <laughs> Tobacco and SPAC is Special Purpose What? Oh, I never know of the analogy for it. It's like a private equity type deal in the exactly, US. Exactly. Yeah. The yes, but the point is they call them SPACs. I can't remember the top of my head now what it's called, but it's a private equity type vehicle that raises cash from the people in the street and then hopes to do deals in the future. And the last time I looked, I think Trump raised a SPAC this year and I think it's still up. So <laughs> yes, some of these things don't make a lot of sense to me. And that's kind of euphoric markets. But you know, if you talk about markets at the moment, you know, talk about this value versus growth story, What's fascinating right now is that a lot of companies are already down 60% from their highs. It's suddenly like 2022 is arriving and everyone goes, oh, gosh, the markets are falling. They've been falling for a while. You know, it's only that the indices now are falling. But the average small cap tech stock in the U.S. has been falling for a long time. And some of the hedge fund guys I spoke to have been shorting them and making lots of money. So my point is if the fundamentals are good, if the cash flow is decent, if the price isn't ridiculous – you're still okay. Therefore, I don't care if it's called value or growth. 
I think it depends what you're paying for something. Just to confirm what a SPAC is. A SPAC is a special... <laughs> I got the first two words right. A special purpose. A special purpose acquisition company is a company with no business activities that goes public. So it's a shell, in other words. And it goes public to, to raise capital in order to subsequently buy part of or a non-listed company in a relatively short period of time because SPACs do not know in advance which company they're going to take over and have no business activities at the time of the IPO. And an IPO is an initial public offering. They are also known as empty stock exchange shells or blank check companies. What a world, Joanne. But that's my point. You're giving money to someone on the hope that they might buy something that might go up in price and you have no idea what they're doing. That's just crazy. Yeah. But those things have been falling, and they have been. There is some, there is some. What's what I'm looking for here? That the markets are starting to normalise. They're starting to raise. They're starting to realise the liquidity that's led markets higher the last couple of years is going to start draining out of the system. And we have the Fed meeting tonight. Well, the Fed will come out and tell us what they're thinking. Look, I know one of the views of the market is the Fed could raise rates by 50 basis points. I just don't see them doing that because I just think that would give the market such a fright. But but I think we're in a tightening cycle. And if you're a value investor in terms of buying boring cyclical companies on low PEs, maybe that's a good thing if the Fed's raising rates because it says the world's strong enough to handle it. Maybe the economy's growing enough. Yes, admittedly, growth globally has been downgraded, but it's still go it's still growing. You know, you can get some good companies at decent valuations. I, I think what we're finally realizing after many years is that fundamentals matter. Yes, so Joe, Joanne, as always, fascinating stuff. We went off, or rather I went off at a couple of tangents there, but thanks very much for your insight. That's Joanne Boehner from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.